I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. We got interrupted. I don't know what happened. They're watching us. They're watching us. We were having a great conversation, Justin. We were we were we, had a, we were having a great conversation. Let's see if he gets back in here. Sorry everybody, I don't know what that was about. I don't know what that's about. We'll get him back in here. It's eleven fifteen. This is what does it all mean? What does it all mean? Podcast, I'm back. Justin's here. We had a little brief interruption. I don't know what happened. It just quit on my end. You know, like it You got it stuck in the shut. matrix, James. I guess so, bro. I guess so. That was fucking we were I was having fun right there. And then I tried to come back on and then it was uh you know, it wasn't working. It wasn't working. Mike Otto said just play some guitar. Yeah. That is true. So, okay, this is, once again, this is What Does It All Mean podcast. Uh, this is Justin Fox from Fox and Red Hairs. And um, let's, let's, what else, what have you been doing? What have you been doing in this pandemic to keep yourself entertained? Um, crazy enough, I, I lived by myself through, I would say, 75% of the pandemic. Uh, went a little crazy. Uh, <laughs> you know, well, I may be sane. I've already was crazy, you know, but uh, uh, I wrote a bunch of music for myself. Um, my roommate moved out uh, just a little bit before COVID, uh, before we knew anything. And I turned his room into a little studio and I just wrote a bunch of songs. And I mean, I had really, my friend Kyle would come over, we'd social distance, but sometimes at night I'd just be by myself and I just go in that room and just start playing. And if anything came up like, Oh, that's a cool baseline. I'd pop the Mac open and turn on logic and just start recording. And just, I just kept making demo after demo after demo. And I think that's what really kept me sane. And I started writing. I, uh, and, uh, I finished one of my books uh, that I was working on called the garment thief. I finished that. Uh, I made a point of that. I was like, if I'm stuck in the house, I have to, I have to do something. You know, I can't, I can't leave this pandemic going like, well, wasted time, you know? So I, I finished my book. Uh, I finished a comic book uh, that uh, uh, I was writing uh, that I now have a, a, a new artist for. And uh, we've already got 24 pages done and it's uh, 101 pages. So we're a quarter of the way done. Okay. I've seen some of the, the artwork. It's amazing, bro. Like that's what I was wondering. I'm like, are you fucking doing that? Like, are you sitting around creating that? And I posted some on, on the actual uh, Instagram page and the artwork is just, it's phenomenal. Like who's the artist? What, what, who comes up with the concepts? Tell me about that. Uh, well, so uh, his name is Dean. Um, the original concept uh, I came up with, basically, I had this idea for a World War I comic about a, you know, a, a soldier, a Scottish soldier, trying to get a little French girl home to her farm. And her name's Alvia. And I found that name by accident. And in French, it means noble war. And I was like, boom, you know. So um, happy accident. But exactly, you know, which was like, what? This is all coming together. And, uh, uh, so basically what happened was is, um, but war comics, they don't, they don't really sell. So I had a a playwright teacher a long time ago and she told me, take something normal and put a twist on it. So visually I decided I wanted to make a Don Bluth cartoon, you know, like rats and Nim, uh, uh, 
oh man, they're all going out of my head. Anastasia, stuff like that. Yeah. So the main character is is he's he has a pumpkin head. Yeah. You know, I always like Jack, Jack Skellington, uh, Jack from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Because I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, he looks like Jack Skellington. No, he looks like Jack from The Wizard of Oz. He's strong like that. <laughs> I didn't, I personally, I didn't get that at all. Like, you know, because I, dude, I totally saw those and I didn't think of that at all. Like, I didn't, I, it had a, its own quality to it. And that's what I kind of liked with it. And I'm being real. Like, I, I, thank it, you. I would tell you if I thought it looked like Jack Skeleton, you know, because uh, fucking Richard from from Hurt has fucking him on on his arm. So like, dude, That's like awesome. that kind of shit is like, no, dude, no, like, it's your, it, it looks awesome. It's got its own style. It's it's fucking phenomenal. It originally was with my uh, my former artist Jacob Crippen. Um, he unfortunately um, he got diabetes and uh, he died of liver and uh, uh, kidney failure, and. Um, uh, not to get like morbid, but um, Jesus I mean, uh, Bryce, he, that's heavy. That's that's fucking heavy. Yeah. Like I almost thought that you were gonna be like a Norm Macdonald, like just like you're fucking around, you know. But it, like I'm like before you said it, I'm like this is gonna be just a sick joke, and then I'm like, nope, it was real, you know. And that's yeah, it, what's fucking it, sad. It's an unfortunate thing, and um, he had four pages done, and I told him like I, I sent him a bunch of pictures, like here's what their uniforms look like. Uh, here's pictures of like little French girls in the revolution, like kind of model like this kitten in this way. And he did this phenomenal artwork before he passed. And then when he did, I, I, I just dropped the comic. I, I didn't do anything for it. And then uh, my friend Jacob Kilgore, like I think around four months after he passed was like, dude, you have to get back in. You have to make this comic happen. You have to start doing this. And, and I told him, and I don't mean to get sad, you know, but I mean, what's it all about, you know? Yeah. You know, like, like um, I told him, and I said, these were my words exactly. I said, I feel like I'm a widow that husband is, you know, husband or wife has just died. And now I have to get back in the dating scene. Like, I had no idea how to talk to an artist. I had worked with this guy for, you know, 10, 15 years. I, I had no idea how to, like, hey, do you want to draw my script, you know? Yeah. And... I just, I, I had befriended this, this guy, Dean, on a Facebook uh, through, a, through another contact. And he had this deal where he's like, hey, you know, uh, half off right now on, you know, coloring. And so I was like, hey, do you, do you also draw or do you just do coloring? And he's like, no, I draw. And I was like, okay. And I was like, can I see some of your stuff? And I was like, this is, wow, this is really good. And I told him the situation. He's like, I'm so sorry about your loss. I'm like, it's cool. And we just started talking and I sent him Jacob's original picture, uh, you know, pictures. And I was like, just do you. And I think he tried to mimic Jacob a little bit, yeah. you know, and the first, the first couple, the first four pages were good. Yeah. But as soon as he started being able to do his own stuff, it just got better and better and better. And it's, it's, it blows my mind. I'm like, Oh my God, dude, you are fantastic. Like, it's like, I've it's never like, even met this guy. It's like John Pashante on the second album, you know, John Pashante was good on the first, but once he hit a second, when he wasn't trying to be Hillel, he was being, and then, you know, like it's a weird comparison, but you know, that's really what it is. Once they find their yeah, own it's, sound, boom. Song. Yeah, it's you know, it's just instead of emulating somebody, you get your uh, you know, your art out and you get more comfortable. And uh yeah, he's just been doing a great job. I mean, um it's funny I even told him like because I was like, you know, it's gonna be funny. We're we're eventually gonna go to a comic con and people are gonna ask us questions, 
and one of them is always, you know, everyone always asks, how long have you guys known each other? And I'm going to have to be like, well, this is actually the first time I'm physically meeting Dean. I've never met this man in my life. Hey, Dean, how you doing? Nice to meet you. You know, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just how it is, you know? That's a whole so, new point. That's a whole new thing with the internet, too. Like, you know, there, there's people that I've friended on, on Facebook that, like, I've never met in my life. And I met them out in the world after I met them on Facebook. And I've had some just completely ignore me. And I'm like, wait a minute, man, like we're fucking Facebook friends. And, and that happened recently. And I finally pulled this guy aside and I'm like, man, I'm watching whatever you're creating just to let you know, you know, and I don't care if he's watching me, but I wanted him to physically know that I was interested into whatever the fuck he was doing, you know? So, yeah, you got you to support locals because, I mean, yes. you are local. You're indie, exactly. you're, you know, whatever, even... Even when you get big or whatever, like you should still support local acts and local artists because at one time you were them, you know, exactly. I'm still one of them. Yeah, I'm, we're you nobody. Know? And that's the point. Like, like, and I don't think you're anybody until like, you know, fucking, I can't even think what, you know, one of my friends told, one of my friends said like, what making it in the, this music business is just being able to still play and create and still work especially through the pandemic okay like that's that that is making it if you're able to fucking stand in a room whether it be a bar whether it be a coliseum wherever the fuck it is like that's making it in music because people can't because realistically usually you're doing something to get you standing there which is like usually getting some kind of money to get like you you gotta throw to, to have these shows to do these things you kind of have to have money and like you guys, you, you guys are king of the merch. Like you guys got the best fucking stuff you've ever seen. I still have a shirt that's just super quality that I, I was wearing last night. I don't know. I should have fucking had it on now. But literally, and, and the time, the effort, all the shit, you know, and, and the way that music is going right now, it's just, it's kind of pathetic that, you know, say it, this is, this is the, the, the statistic. <laughs> One million views or one million listens to say, you know, you know, any of your songs, right? Fox and Red Hairs, any of your songs, boom, you're going to get $3,000. Okay, one million listens, fucking $3,000 from the time that you like spent to go to your friend's studio to write these songs, to put them out there, to fucking work on them, to hor like to play them in front of people, to put your heart out there. $3,000 for one million. So you break that down after a while. It, the only people that are fucking in music right now are the people that love music. And, and that's just it. Unless you're like one of these huge rappers that I, I don't even understand how they're like this dude that's got $24 million on his fucking forehead. I don't get that because bro, I've made roughly 300 bucks this whole career of, of hurting the heartbeat. And that's no joke. Like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like if anything. And, and exactly. Well, it, it's a, uh, what hurts. is it? They say, uh, what is it? They say that, it's um i'm paraphrasing but it's musicians are the only people that have over ten thousand dollars of equipment for their trade and get paid nothing yep. with having it if you were a construction worker and you had ten thousand dollars worth of equipment you would be making money you would be making a lot of things as a contractor or, or building or something and people don't understand that again i love the whole point of the next time you go to a show and you're like five bucks, blah, blah, remember, well, get a real job. Entertainment's not a real job. During the pandemic, what did you do? You listen to music, you watch Netflix, all that. Those are creators. That's art. Without that, 
what what have you been doing during the pandemic? Nothing. I, I think you people, need to understand. I think people realize that to now because you look at you look at all I'm the live streams. And okay, let me ask you this because like you look at all the live streams, everybody's fucking just they're 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 losing their mind because they know they need it. What's what's what is your agenda for Fox and the Redders? What like because like my band's not fucking playing because I'm scared shitless. What's what's your agenda for Fox? Like actually live shows and and playing and recording and fucking putting shit out. I, I, you don't have to, but just if you want it, you know. Um. Well, I mean, um, to be honest, to get paid, of course. And uh, one of our friends is and bands, uh, Graves in the Bad Weather, amazing people. If if you've never heard them, listen to them. They're fantastic. They're 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 rising. They're get, they're playing festivals, you know. And I actually sat down with the lead singer Leandra and her husband Taylor, uh, you know, the guitarist, um, and had a whole conversation. I, I walked away with six pages of notes of like, this is how you get paid. This is how you market yourself. This is you do this. And I think there's a uh, not a taboo, but a, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking here for? Um, well, like a taboo of people, musicians don't want to ask other musicians like questions like that, unless yeah. they're big wigs. Like, you know, yeah. like, oh, Mike Ness with Social Distortion, how did you get famous? He doesn't want to answer those questions. He's just like, yeah. you know, you, you ask your local bands that are starting to rise up and starting to like get a following and ask them, hey, can I get some advice? And to be honest, I think, any indie band, if you ask them those questions, are going to feel like uh, pride, you know, because like, wow, you're asking me for advice. And it's like, yeah, like, I'm not some arrogant person. We need help, you know, and, and that's okay to ask people these things, you know, yeah. and I think a lot of people have too much pride or they're just scared to, oh, I don't want to sound like a fanboy or, or yeah. I don't know. It's, it's yeah. you know, it's, it, it's totally okay to ask for advice. Yes. I mean, I totally it, I, did, I mean, if I you were at with, a job and I was gonna say, sorry, go ahead, James. I was just gonna say I did it with one guy. Same thing. Like there was a student at the stage one studio, and and his name uh, was Ty, and 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 I just I walked right up to him. I'm like, dude, how how do you do it? How what what's the secret? And and that's it. You got to humble yourself, like you said, because there are these like these weird, you know, like oh, I'm the fucking bet. No, you don't know shit. Everyone's done this ten times before you, and we'll keep doing it. So the more you swallow that weirdness and go up to somebody and he's just, he told me, and this was like fucking 10 years ago or like eight years ago. He's like, get a reverb nation page, do this, get a bigger, do this. And he just gave, he started giving me all these fucking ideas. And then I didn't see him for a, like a very long time. Right. And he was doing his thing. I was doing mine. And then all of a sudden he was just like, dude, I, I told him like, I did everything you said. I did everything you said, you know, and, and all those steps really led to something you know, that I wouldn't have got if I didn't, didn't ask that person, you know? Exactly. It's like, um, uh, I'm going to lose my train of thought. Uh, asking and, uh, um, what was my train of thought here? Um, well, yeah, it's agreeing with you on that. It's, it's just like, you just, you need help. I mean, if you were working, you know, like say a bartender and you didn't know how to make a drink, you know, would you ask your coworker how to make the drink or would you be like, oh no, uh, oh, so you want a, a Cape Cod, uh, what's that? Uh, it's like, it's cranberry juice and vodka. It's like, oh, I'm just gonna put rum and, you know, tequila together. Like, yeah. Ask advice. It's okay to ask advice from people, you know, just don't, don't be one of those people who's like, hey, you're signed. Can you get us signed? Get us signed, you know? 
then it's a little like, hold on, we're trying to take care of our, our home right now. And then we can help with someone else's house, you know? Definitely. So. I don't, I don't know if sign just being the thing either. Like uh, th this day and age, it's more or less, you know, you do get the people like, like Jack White's that just like, you know, that do it themselves. And, and those are the people that impress me more than, you know, these people trying to suck dick to make it on a certain label. Cause it, I, I've just heard stories where, uh, you know, like say you get signed to this certain label and they just throw money at you. Right. But then they take you on tour and then all of a sudden you have these expenses. And at the end of all this, you, you owe them a million dollars. And at, yeah, at that that's, point, I would rather not do that, you know? That's so. why, I, that's why I always learned uh, from a couple, like, you know, I had a friend, you know, politics kind of tore us apart, but you know, he was in one of the biggest industrial bands in the world. And he gave me advice of like, never sign any kind of contract unless it's one album, one album and you yes. get the rights to the songs. Yeah. And Never take a loan. Never, if they're like, hey, we're going to give you a Cadillac. Like, no, because you're paying for that Cadillac. That's not a gift. They're giving it to you. They're putting you in debt so you, they can own you. I mean, exactly. that's what it is, you know? And if you can't pay them back, if you go on tour and say everyone loves your first album and nobody likes your second album and your, your sales drop, you still owe them that money because you took a loan. And so now you owe them another album until you pay back. And then you're just in debt. That's really it. That's really it. So, okay. Getting out of the music thing. What you, you, you're writing a, you writing a book as well. Like a, a, not just a comic book, but a book as well. Tell me about that. Yes. Uh, I have two books. Uh, I have two novels or novellas, technically not a telenovela. Like, oh, Maria. <laughs> uh, uh, I have one. Uh, it's called uh, just checking in. Uh, it's it's loosely based off of uh, some stuff that happened in my life, uh, very loosely. Um, it, it's about a guy that, because uh, uh, I'm tribal, I'm Choctaw uh, from Oklahoma. And uh, uh, it basically, the idea kind of came from my mother, who like one time when I went and visited her was like, you know, you can always check yourself into the mental institution. I'll give you a crazy check for the rest of your life. And I was like, Mom, are you trying to tell me to work the system? Like, what? what? You know, like, and sorry, I don't mean crazy check, but that was my mom's That's vernacular awesome, on that man. one. That's awesome. But I wrote it about a guy that, you know, because it's loosely based on my life, that uh, his fiance leaves him for another woman. And uh, he's, he's upset by it. You know, he eventually checks himself into a mental institution because he thinks he can get a free ride. But then he ends up finding out, like, he has anger issues and stuff. I don't have anger issues, but the character, I needed to give him something. Yeah. He meets a girl. He falls in love with her. And uh, there's a lot of things in it that are, uh, you know, stuff that I came to conclusions with. Like, uh, you know, you get the same question every time when, you know, oh, your fiancé left you for another woman. Does, does that hurt, you know, that, you know, it doesn't demasculate you because it was a woman? It's like, no, it would have hurt if she left me for a guy or, or anybody. It, yeah, you know, that's, yeah. it doesn't matter someone's gender. It's 100%. And, 100%. Yeah, and it, it, it goes into the whole thing of, like, the character. Um, it's uh, 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 Peter. He, he can't be angry at this person. Like, you know, if it was, like, just a breakup, you, you could be angry at somebody. But, it's, no, somebody realized who they were sexually. And they're happy now. And so the whole part of the story is like, is it's acceptance and trying Definitely. to get over these things, you know? And it's like, you know, even at the very end, he's like, I don't have any ill will towards you. I just wish, you know, you could have 
done this in a better way, you know, yeah. you know, and you know, you know, it's a lot of like personal stuff that happened to me. There's some really dark parts about the book. Like, uh, it's really fun. It's in a mental institution, you know, blah, blah. It's not like one flew over the cuckoo's nest, you know, well, it's like the fun parts here and that, but there is a big reveal at the end. I don't, I don't know if I want to say it and spoil it, but, uh, I, I, I basically, you have fun during this book. And then right at the end, I remind the audience, you're in a mental institution. Yeah. And there's a big reveal at the end that actually is like gut-wrenching. And it, it actually made me physically ill to write some of the stuff that I had to write in the, those last pages. Because I got really like, this is what this character is. Not the main yeah. character, one of the side characters. But the whole book started by a song, funny enough. Uh, it was a song by the Easy Beats uh, called Hello, How Are You? If you can find it on YouTube, look up Easy Beats, Hello, How Are You? The original version, not the, the others. And the whole point of the story is, is you find out this girl, Abby, uh, she has musical ear syndrome, but it's exaggerated because real musical ear syndrome isn't like this. But she has a song in her head, and Peter helps her find that song, and it kind of cures her of her uh, – not really cures her of her illness, but it helps her to move – forward and she helps him to move forward and and yeah so it's it's just a book about you know moving forward acceptance and uh you know everybody has problems oh, so definitely. that's just checking thousand percent and then uh and i love that it's true and then, people, people owned up to the problems especially like my last episode is about anxiety and it's like it just sounds like you know doing stuff like that creating that that book and and putting your you know character not necessarily you because you you stepped down a different you you did something different in real life but but going down the hypothetical timeline and seeing what you could do it it's almost like working out you know well what if and and you know yeah. and then you see your end result and it's almost its own therapy you know yeah it's i mean writing is extremely therapeutic you know i mean at least for some some people are like ah i can't do this you know yeah um which i mean i had a i had a point i wanted to I don't have to say it now, but I, I had a, a little situation I, I was telling my cousin Drew about uh, video games, actually, that brought up a lot of other windows and doors that I was like, holy crap, like, like not saying like, oh, I'm some genius that, you know, did this, just, just this really, like, mind-opening thing that um, we were talking about that, like, last night I beat Mega Man 1, you mm, know, awesome. the original NES, yes. and it, but it was on my Switch, so I could rewind, it wasn't falling down dead start all over again i could rock rewind yeah exactly see there you go you know <laughs> and uh but it was weird because i was like i bought mega man one off a friend in seventh grade because when i was a kid they didn't have mega man one at the video store they had mega man two one of my mm -hmm. favorite games and when my buddy was like well i don't want my nintendo games anymore my grandma bought them all for me and i finally got to play mega man one that is one of the hardest nes games on earth yeah. and i beat it as a kid as a kid I get on it now and I'm just like, I, uh, nope, rewind, just nope. You know, like I will never do a pure run of this ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. but I think uh, what, I, what I, was, I was talking in about was, and that's, I, I, it, has, it has to do with writing too, I think, is when you're a child, you're so emotionally invested in this character you're playing in a video game or, you know, like Mega Man or like Snake Eyes and, uh, you know, Tunnel Rat Duke, your toys. You yes. become these characters because your imagination is so high and, you know, and, you know, you are these characters. You want them to win. You want them to succeed. You, you know, you make up your own little stories, you know, and, 
like even playing the video game, you can imagine Mega Man talking and, and as an adult, you're having fun, but I think you're kind of emotionally distant at this point. It's just yeah. a game. But yes. when you're a kid, you are Mega Man. It's you magic. Or Link. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think when you get older, if you write, you know, like, it's just like those moments of playing with your action figures or your video games, you become these characters and you want them to win. You, and when you write them failing, it, it hurts you. It's like you failed. And you have to keep writing because you're like, no, I now, I, I wrote this character, he failed, he's in this terrible situation, I have to get him out of it. You know, and, it, and that just makes you continue and continue. I love that. Because you know, you, you're emotionally invested in them now. You're, they are you, you're a part of it. Definitely. So, uh, which, uh, you know, like uh, my second book is called The Garment Thief. I got the idea from, uh, uh, I was watching a documentary on Toshiro Mifune, uh, you know, Yojimbo, huge famous Japanese, uh, you know, actor, uh, Seventh Samurai. And I read, or I watched a documentary and that guy's life, oh my God. He was a kamikaze pilot trainer. He trained the kamikaze pilots yeah, at Bomb Pearl Harbor. Yeah. And... When, when we dropped the, you know, the bombs you know, on Nagasaki and Hiroshima, um, in the interview, because uh, it was with his kids, because you know, he's been dead for a long time, he ta they, they talked about money was worthless. So they had to sell their clothes, their nice suits and dress clothes and everything like that to get food and water and supplies. And it just popped into my head. I was like, the garment thief, like a dystopian America, where like the rich have moved to their little islands, martial law has come over. You can't, if you, if you get caught stealing from a home, uh, you know, like an abandoned home, it's worse than murder, you know? Yeah. Cause it's like, oh, yeah. these places are for the rich when they come back. So Violin, the main character, she's called a house mouse or a garment thief. And she goes, she sneaks out past the city gates to steal clothes. And then she brings them back to the local trader and trades for food and supplies. And she eventually goes to these mansions and she never wants to go to the mansions because that's basically like a, you're dead if you go there because there's these guys called the herdsmen. They're called the uh, civil, uh, the civil shepherds, but everyone calls them herdsmen because they herd people and, you know, and they're just evil, uh, you know, martial law. Um, but she goes out and she meets this guy. Uh, oh, crap. What's his name? Porter. And uh, she meets Porter and he's been living alone in this mansion for like, like 10 years, you know, just surviving off his, his dad was in the military. He had a bunker and they eventually become friends. And she starts like taking his garments and going back, you know, and trading and not going to ruin the end again, you know, of anything, but uh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. it's, it's kind of, it's a, it's a screwed up ending, but it's, it's what I loved about it was the ending is sort of open, but the, the thing I really wanted to write about was, I didn't want these characters to fall in love in a sense of let's get married and everything. Like they fall in love with each other because they're both lonely people and they're just friends, you know? And so, yeah, you know, kind of ruined the end, but yeah, they, they don't get together. <laughs> you know, like they just, they get together, but they don't get together, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's, it's called the garment thief and it's a dystopian story. That's uh, just again about people and, you know, it's not like a Hunger Games or something where it's like, oh, the, the young female and male character take down the government. Like, no, they, they just, they survive. And that's it. That's it. 
that's the key. That's the key of life just to survive, bro. Like it really is, you know, everything else is, it's inconsequential. It doesn't matter. Staying alive is the most fucking important thing, you know? Yeah. And I know this is stupid, but once the, this whole pandemic chills out, you should definitely plan a fucking you know like a real you know little tour where we can just all of our friends and us oh we got go into fucking to arizona fucking san francisco wherever just to hang out so we well can god i mean well i mean god i i you know i've like i excuse me like i've got a couple songs that i just wanted to give hurt in the heartbeat you know like yeah. i know that i've got a couple songs that i know you would kill on stage like I love you would that. you know yeah. Like, what, it's, what, it, it's not really us, you know, yeah. I mean, we could do it, but it's more like Stone Roses, you know, songs, totally. Primal Scream, and I'm like, dude, James would murder this song, like, what's, he's so good what, at it, you know. What's funny for me is that you said that you'd like, you know, that getting through the pandemic, I think this was on the, the first part that got cut out, but you said that you wrote all these songs and and you were like ultra creative and like dude i went the other fucking way like in the beginning of it i i wrote a couple songs and then i really did start just going through this depression where like i didn't even want to fucking play music and i didn't write shit and i was just over it and it was starting to really bum me out and then 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 like the pandemic dropped for like a week and then i was like fuck it everyone in the studio let's play and like it was super fun and i was like holy shit and everyone like couldn't believe that like we had that feeling you know and then then covid went right the fuck back up and it was just like we don't get to play anymore you know and it's like dude it's it's really a fucking depressing time and that's how i started the stupid podcast because i'm like it, this is just an excuse for me to hang out with you here, you know. And like a couple of weeks ago, I had Rondi just hanging out with fucking Rondi, and, and that's, yeah, I was there. I was always watching you guys. Yes, I remember that, and and that's it's just an excuse to to like you said before, create, you know. And and dude, you create so much, I, I fucking love it, man. Like you're a total inspiration, you know. And don't fucking stop. Like, can can people find your 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 books out anywhere? Like, can they can they find them at Amazon? Um whatever or... no not uh not yet i still unfortunately i have the uh the bane of every writer which is like first draft is like yeah and then you're like oh god i gotta do second draft and so i gotta kick myself in the ass and you know i've, I've edited about a quarter of the garment thief and i i gotta i just gotta keep editing you know yeah. so but the the comic i mean the comic is is done it, it's done all the script is done it's just waiting for the artist to put it out and he he he, he gets me like three pages a week you know yeah. he's gonna break my bank account by the time i'm, I'm you know done like oh god you know <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's just fucking awesome okay what do you what 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 music are you listening to right now give me like what are you into what do you what do you what's hit you in the last like since the pandemic something good aurora really aurora she is She's from Norway, and she is the new Bjork. Like, she she doesn't sound like Bjork, but you can, like, if you put on one of her songs, the Bjork song on, and just let someone who's never heard any of them before, they'd probably think they were the same person. Like, she has this amazing voice. She actually co-writes all of her songs, which is fantastic. And she just has this beautiful voice, and she's very social conscious. And like she has this one song called "The Seed," and uh, the chorus is "You cannot, you cannot eat money," and it's uh, when the uh, when the last tree has fallen and the rivers are poisoned, we'll find out you cannot eat money, and it's like, 
oh my god and it, it, she's just wonderful she's just she's absolutely brilliant she's she's hilarious like she, she's just this wonderful singer and just she just honestly seems like a very wonderful person and the fame hasn't gone to her head like she plays huge festivals and she just seems like this really quirky fun bjork girl who just likes doing cartwheels and talking about life and love that's so, awesome that's awesome yeah. i gotta check that out okay <clears throat> i got one more question for you i got a couple more but if you could talk to the creator of all of this fucking everything that we're doing and ask the creator one, whether it's a God or just fucking ask them one question, what would that question be? Do you want the funny answer or the serious answer? It, you can give me both if you want. I don't give a shit. All right. <laughs> okay uh funny answer why did you allow preacher walking dead and the runaways to be such terrible television shows why did you allow this Definitely. come on cheers to that cheers to that <laughs> yeah. i guess the uh the serious one would be was it all worth it and uh, did I do a good enough job? Nice. Those would be my serious ones. See, we're not we're not that much different because I thought I thought something similar. Very like last night, and I don't even I I have I usually have these lists of questions that I ask you, but but that one just just fucking came to me as you and I were talking, and I thought that to myself. The other, I'm like, fuck, what 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 really does it all mean? Why are we fucking here? What is the point of this? And even if it, even if we just die like right now and it was meant for nothing, fucking fine. But, but I feel that also the universal credit, the, the, the creation that, you, you know, the, like, cause when, when I see you up on stage, did you really, you put yourself out there. And when you do that, like coming from a fan perspective, you don't realize when you're up on stage and say there's some fucking 15 year old kid that's like, dude, I want to fucking break out of my shell and I'm being abused and my life fucking sucks. And I see Justin up there fucking rocking the shit out of a Stratocaster. Like, I want to fucking be that dude. That is more important than ever making it in any other fucking way, you know? And I feel that like, yeah. like you guys play with such heart and fucking, you know, dude, I love watching you fucking play. And I let Lucas yeah. too. Lucas is so fucking into it. Like when he feels, he feels his fucking, he feels keys and he feels the chords so fucking much that you can see it just coming out of his fucking brain. And that's what it's like super fun, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, well, it's the same with you guys. I mean, you know, like you guys are, are, are more mellow than us, but I mean, you know, you've got this swagger thing, you James, where you're just like, you're almost like, how can I put it? Like, you're like a serpent made out of the wind. You know, you're just like this <laughs> airy kind of like. Over. Try not to yeah, fall over. That's the key. Sometimes I do, but I mean, every... you know. <laughs> but every time I see you guys, I mean, your stage show, you set up props, you you know, you do all these things. And that's why I was like, you know, like the infamous story you always tell when we met, when we first met at Dawg, you were like, these are our guys, you know. And then I was like, Dude, that guy was fucking cool. Who is this person? You know, like, yeah, and and yeah, you just feel this camaraderie and like, you know, it's it's almost like you can sense when you've got a kindred spirit, and it's it's always cool that like, excuse me, 
you know, like, you're like one of the nicest people I've ever met. You're always like super positive. And I'm like the most optimistic pessimist, you know, <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm obsessed with death and all this weird stuff. But then I'm like super really nice, you know, <laughs> and everything, you know, so yeah. it's like this weird, cool thing where it's like yeah. these semi dark hippie dudes met each other and were like, I get what you're saying. I get what you're doing. You know, all right. All right. Cool. You know, there's pain, but you know what? There's got to be something past it. You know? It was so, meant yeah. to be. It was meant to be. And I don't know why I'm remembering this, but I remember fucking Lucas. He did something. We had our lights like at our prop station and he was like, somehow he, he he moved the fucking letters around to like say like hurting hurting like something where it was like hurting the cock pistols or something like he changed it to where it was like something so like fucking funny that i was like that that shit that you do you know when you go on tour with people so you know like we were talking about before we're definitely gonna have to fucking play because you know the big thing about this pandemic is you know ronnie ronnie kind of brought this up to me like a lot of these bands did not make it through the pandemic. Like once it happened, it's like, it's over. And I totally get that because you fucking put all your time, your effort and dude, we've been doing this for a while. And then all of a sudden it's just like, you can't do it anymore. It's, it's over. Like stop doing what you're fucking doing. Stay in your homes. You're locked up. And, and I'm not fucking anti anything, but like it was shocking for all of us as mankind to deal with that kind of fucking shit. And especially when, you know, your band is like your second family. So, you know, you see these fuckers like more than you want to. You really do. You see them more than you want to. And then when it's taken away, you're like, oh, fuck, maybe not. Like, I, I miss those times that you just sit around in a random lobby for fucking eight hours waiting to play somewhere that you got there too early because fucking, you know, you never even thought about exactly. it. Exactly. But you're just like, Okay, okay. What are we going on? What are we going on? In four hours. Okay. So what are we going on? In four hours. Oh my god, I'm fucking having an anxiety attack. Somebody yeah. talk to me about anything, you know, just like all right, we're <laughs> That's that's it. That's it. I, I I've been in the back of just stages like taking deep breaths and just like trying to meditate right before just to fucking to get it to ha get a handle on uh your emotions because you know when you think too much when you, you you get that, everyone's got an ego. And so, you know, sometimes that helps and sometimes that can be really fucking negative, you know? And yeah. for, for me, I, one of the stupid, stupidest things I've ever done is when I, in the beginning of fucking hurt, I was with Timo and I was just like playing some place and nobody was responding. And I was just like, I went out there with this cocky attitude and I, I, like words just came out and I'm just like, well, you've never heard anything like this before. We're bigger and better than you've ever fucking blah, 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 you know? And then I'm thinking, like, everyone's going to be behind me. I look at Timo, and Timo looked at me like I just said, I'm going to, you know, like, he he was not behind me at all. And then I realized I just put my foot in my mouth, and fuck, whatever. The show must go on. Just keep going. And don't get that. See, that's the, funny, that's the funny part is, like, every band I've ever been in, you know, like, one of my first bands was the Cadavers. We were kind of like a death rock band. Uh, like a punky death rock band. And then Last Blue Film, which was a total like post-punk Joy Division uh, kind of band. And then like Sound Preservation Society. And every single one of my band members always tried to convince me, you got to be cocky. You got to be, you're the cock of the walk. You're the lead singer. You got to be the guy, the guy. And I'm like, I don't want to be the guy. I don't yeah. want to be that, you know, have yeah. confidence, but don't be like arrogant, you know, like, I don't even know, like modern day Mick Jagger, where he's just like, nah, I get what I want. It's like, nah, just 
have confidence, talk to the audience. And that's a hard thing for me, you know, because I suffer from anxiety. And, uh, you know, it, it, you know, it is at times kind of hard to, you know, like, hey, so uh, you're tuning and you're like, uh, so uh, we're, you know, we're Fox and the Red Hairs and uh, this like, next song is blah, blah, and, uh, 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 you know. And I've gotten better. I used to be just like, oh, I'm not going to say, and Lucas would have to talk, Jose, and, you know, I'd say a couple words here or there. But now, like, you know, I, I've gotten a little, well, who knows now that after the pandemic, you know, uh, social anxiety. But, uh, like, you know, yeah, I started just saying, hey, everybody, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, we're Fox and Red Hairs. You know, thanks for coming out to the show. You know, this, 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 and blah, 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 joke, joke. You know, this. Uh, so this next song is Wolf in the Wheat, you know, dun, 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 you know. And, you know, it, it, it's confidence. It's not arrogance. It's yeah. like the biggest thing, I guess. So, because people can smell that. And some people go for it, you know. People love the arrogance of Mike Ness and Morrissey. And, you know, and, and some people are like, oh, fuck that guy. I like the music, but the heck with that guy. Okay, you know? quick story, I don't quick want to story, be that singer. Quick story about Mike Ness, because, like, he gets a bad rap. Okay, just personally, like, uh, fucking, he used to go to this restaurant. I'll even say it. It, it was all luck in fucking Fountain Valley, okay? It's in Orange County. And this is, like, 10 years ago maybe 15 years ago 10 10 years ago 11 years ago and uh bro i was just trying to figure out the blues you know like when you first start playing music i'm i'm thinking i'm fucking muddy waters i'm thinking i'm fucking you know like all these cats and and i would get off work from ups i'd shoot over to Aluk and i'd order this food and fucking dude every friday like like mike ness would be there with this chick and and Ironically, there was two Mike Nesses. There was this fake Mike Ness that like had this, these tattoos that just looked like him, and then there was the real Mike Ness. So you never fucking knew which was. But one had which a one less it? hair, a little bit like less balding spot. Like Mike Ness had hair. This other guy was just going fucking bald. And so, uh, you know, I didn't think it was real Mike Ness. So I bust out my guitar. I'm sitting on the patio. I'm fucking jamming. All of a sudden, real Mike Ness with his blonde wife comes walking out into their fucking Escalade, and he just looks at me as I'm playing, kind of nods, goes into his Escalade, leaves both of the doors open, waits probably three, four minutes for me to stop playing, swear to God, then doesn't leave. Then he fucking gets over his car, and he goes, that was really good. Don't stop. And then I was like, holy. And then he got in his car, and he fucking left. He didn't have to do that, like, at yeah. all. And then I realized, like, holy shit, that was the real Mike Ness. That wasn't the fucking ghetto one that was all bald and shit. And I realized how cool he really was because, dude, like I said, he... Well, let, yeah, let me, let me retract the statement. I didn't mean, like, Morrissey you know, I'm saying, like, douche. the Morrissey people that, like, douche. hear that. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've heard good stories about Mike Ness. Very bad. So, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, I played uh, uh, Rick Agnew in the, the movie uh, Agnew, uh, uh, OC Family. Uh, you know, if anybody who's watching uh, doesn't know who Rick Agnew is, he, he was guitarist, social distortion, DI, Christian death, and the yeah. adolescents. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's a punk rock legend. And, you know, like, yeah, he told me stories like, oh, yeah, Mike can kind of be an asshole, but he's a good dude, you know, blah, blah. So it's like, okay, so I got a little bit of the inside, you know, stories about him where it's like, no, Mike's actually a really cool guy. It's just he's one of those guys that probably a bunch of people come up and attack him, you know, ah, and he's just like, oh. You know, I'm trying to have dinner, you know, like, yeah. So, I mean, I get it, you know, but yeah, I've heard good stories of him and I've heard bad stories, but I mean, to be honest, the people who really know him are usually, well, the jokative thing, like, Hey, he's a fucking asshole. I love him. You know, like, you exactly. know, it's like, you know, exactly. like I'll say about Lucas, like fucking Lucas, he's a fucking asshole. I fucking love that guy. You know, like <laughs> straight so, yeah. up. 
I don't think Rick Agnew likes me particularly. Hertz played a show with him before, and uh, <laughs> and it was one of the dollhead shows. And bro, like, I I I just okay. It's hard for me when I see everybody kissing someone else's ass, and just because it's a competitive business, you know. And so like. You know, we're competitive, as, you know, as musicians. So everyone's just fucking blowing smoke up this guy's ass. Like he was like, yes, he's a fucking legend, but, but fucking I'm somebody, you know? And like, like, so like we played, we did the best we could. And like, I just didn't really want to kiss his ass. And I think he probably misunderstood that as, as cockiness. And it probably came off that way. But once again, this is all ego perception. He could have not even seen me that fucking day, and I'm nobody. But regardless, like, yeah. we just never really saw eye to eye. And I just think that's just because, like you said, I'm, I'm a little bit more mellow. He's a little bit more, you know, like, like fucking rah, rah, rah. And I'm just a little bit more chill. And so we don't know. I'm a little bit hippie. I'm a little bit punk rock. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Rick. But, yeah, but Rick is, Rick's an utter sweetheart, like, when I went and auditioned, he was there, and that was like, oh, my sweat, you know? Yeah. He's like, wait, Rick's yeah. here? I have to pretend to be this person in front of this person? Oh, my God. And yeah. he, he, he was in an interview, and he was talk He actually brought me up, which was so sweet of him. He was like, yeah, because they were like, oh, you're doing this movie about you. He's like, yeah, you know, uh, blah, blah. And when the guy came in, I just saw him. and like, that's me. Oh, my God. And then he, he was like, and then when he started talking and moving his hands, I was like, oh, my God, it's like looking in a mirror 20 years ago, blah, blah. And I was like, what? You know, and like, yeah, him and Jatan, like, are super sweet. Like, I, I still talk to them on Facebook, you know. And, it's trippy and, how that and, is, the generations. Like, the gen like you do, you see, yeah. like, I see, you know, like, my the, the, one of the cats I play with, Peter DiStefano, he, like, dude, same thing. Like you said, you get nervous around him. I, 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 I get nervous because I'm like, dude, you're, you're the, you were the generation above us that are showing us how to fucking do it, you know? And, yeah. and I don't take that for granted at any time. Like, like Mike Watt, all these people, like, dude, when they're around, I want to suck that shit up. I don't care if it's garbage or what, like all that information is just, it helps you in the game of, of, of life and music. And so, yeah, I've, I've only fanboyed out on a few people. <laughs> I've been really good. I've met like some big celebrities, like, well, not like met, like, Hey, it was, you know, but just like, oh, I'm passing. Like, oh, hey, you know, that's Brad Pitt. Like, hey, Brad, you know, hey, like your music movies. Oh, cool, man. But I fanboyed out on Guitar Wolf. I saw them and their Japanese garage rock band. And I was just like, yeah. and my friend worked the, worked, worked the door at Glasshouse. So like, you want to go backstage and hang out with them? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, oh. I was just like, you guys are so much greater than any American band. <laughs> and just drinking paps with them. Yeah. I'm surprised they weren't like, get the hell out of here. But they were super cool. And then uh, I, I fanboyed out on Jeff Johns, a uh, comic writer who brought uh, Hal Jordan back from the dead, you know, and I, you know, fanboyed out on him a little bit. And, um, but like the funniest fanboy out I did was Malcolm McDowell. He was at Comic-Con signing and I didn't know. And I saw my friends and I was like, hey, where'd you get these Malcolm McDowell photos? And he's like, he's right there and just pointed behind me. And I turned and he was just sitting there just like doing this stuff. And I'm like, oh my God. It's Malcolm McDowell and my friend George and I were like, dude, go talk. They had to like push me like I was a child. Like, go talk to Ronald McDonald. He's not scary. Yeah. And I walked up to him and he he was looking down at the desk. And I swear, James, he looked up at me with those Malcolm McDowell eyes, and I just froze. And I was like, Mr. McDowell, I don't have any money to buy a print or anything, but I, I just wanted to shake your hand and tell you, like, I love your movies and, and I, I want to play a villain like you play and this and this and this. And he shook my hand and he cocked his head and he went, 
thank you, my son. And I was all, oh, ah. and like, thank you so much. And I just ran away. Like, I literally yes. was just like, thank you. And I just fucking power walked away because I was just yeah. like, oh, my God, that's not the big towel. Yeah. I bought Tom Jane a shot of Jameson at Comic-Con. He actually asked me to come over, like, hang out because I was like, that's Tom Jane. And I asked the bartender, I was like, that Tom Jane? He's like, I, I don't know who it is. I'm like, the Punisher? You know, he's like, I'm like, get him a shot of Jameson on me. And so I saw the bartender walk down the, you know, I can't see you, walk down the bar and he gave Tom the shot and he kind of looked over at me and I just raised my shot to him and he went like this. He's like, hey, thanks. He kind of waved me over. I was like, no, no, I just, I just wanted to buy you a shot. Don't want to interrupt your night. He was like, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Took his shot and that was the last time I saw Tom Jane. <laughs> and it's trippy too because it's like the world is so big like i, I think about this too because like a lot of people have like what we perceive as fame and, and we think that like you know that everybody knows them because we know them but like half the time like these 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 people the walking down the street like i saw magic johnson like uh about two weeks ago three weeks ago okay he was getting his car washed and and like dude nobody noticed him and he's like this really huge black guy that's Legend in the basketball field you can't fucking miss him but but everybody is so like on their phones and so just like immense in their own bullshit they don't even realize and i walked right by him and i looked over and i was like holy shit that's magic johnson and and he looked at me like don't even fucking look over here man like i'm busy you know like you really did and i went in made my delivery came out and then i I busted out of the doors like I was like the cops and he looked over at me and I looked at him again and I just like, you know, I did one of these and I just ran because I didn't want to fuck with them, you know? And yeah. so I don't really, you know, I haven't fan. I, I think when I, I met Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction one time and that's when I felt really nervous and I was young. I was like 19 or something and Jane's Addiction, it was like the 90s. I snuck backstage with fucking Lollapalooza and the whole time like Perry was giving interviews and and he was making like signals like I could come and I was too nervous and fucking my friend Mike's like dude just fucking go he wants you to go and finally I go and talk to Perry and Perry's like super fucking chill and I'm like once you're in that moment and talking to them you're fine but it's those in-between moments where you're like holy shit how do I get there who the fuck am I do they think I'm a fucking idiot? But the re reality is even Perry Farrell in the back of his mind's insecure, just like everybody else. And he's going, you know what? Like, fuck dude, does that person want to talk to me as well? Or am I just a spectacle that they can fucking like stick a, you know, magnifying glass over, yeah. you know? And once you realize there are some cool fucking humans and when you do approach them and start talking, it's, it's fun. So, okay. We're getting kind of close to the end. I'm going to, we kind of covered it. But I'm going to ask you the big question. You, you kind of covered it before, but what does it all mean? That is a big, big, big question. That's a big question. <laughs> um, I mean, well, you know, <laughs> I, always, <laughs> I can always put my glasses on and be like, everybody's always asking me, Alfie, what's it all about? What's it all about? Um, <laughs> Um, we have you know, to glasses, be honest, by the way, put those on again. Like, ah, there we like, go. Same thing. Our buddy Holly's. <laughs> That's so funny. Anyways. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, like, <clears throat> like when I was young, it was all about like knowing everybody, wanting everyone to love you, you know, like, you know, walking on eggshells with people. So you wouldn't upset them because you, you know, when you're young, you want, 
so many people around you. And as you grow older, you realize your, your, your group gets a little smaller. You know, some people are lucky to have more than three friends. I, I'm lucky that I have, you know, probably around 10, 15, you know, that are, are close to me that I love. And I think like the whole thing is, is, is live your life for yourself. Don't hurt anybody. Of course, you know, the Buddhist thing of if somebody is doing something that you don't like and it upsets you, you, you shouldn't tell them they can't do that unless they're like murdering or something crazy. But you know, like that's their life. They're going to be happy with it. So let them do that and just take yourself out of the equation if you can't be around it. And I think honestly, it just has to do with what's it all about is just, is, is just live your life and don't too much, don't put too much pressure on yourself. You know, like uh, I went through a severe depression because I, I was like, I haven't, you know, uh, I haven't published anything yet. You know, I'm, 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 I'm getting in my thirties and I'm 40 now, but you know, I was, I was getting my thirties and I was like, Oh my God. And it took a, a good friend of mine, Jacob Kilgore. He told me, he's like, he sent me a whole list of famous writers that weren't published until like 45, 48 years old. And he's like, you have plenty of time. Quit writing yourself. You know, you not everybody is Mozart, you know, who can do a symphony at nine years old. You know, it's like, you put too much pressure on yourself and then you can't enjoy your life, you know, exactly. like, and you only got one. Yep. So do everything you want to do. I mean, if you got the money to fly out to Ireland, but you're like, well, I don't want to lose my job, you know, just go, go come back and find a new job, go do things, you know, like, and this is the, you know, me, you know, being a hypocrite here. Cause you know, I have trouble talking to, you know, to women, you know, and people like, you know, you're an attractive guy. You, you sing in a band, this is go. And I'm like, Oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, can't do it. You know, once I start a conversation, I'm fine, you know, but it's like, Oh, but everyone tells me you have one life. What are they going to do? I'm not attracted to you. No, or sorry, thank you. And then that's it. You know, it, it just, I'm rambling. Um, I think this, let me just interject. Let me, you know, as for the, the, the chick thing, I think as a, you know, person in your 40s, because I'm right there with you, uh, trying to speak to women in a, uh, not just women, but but women wanting to speak to men and women, that the whole communication is really a lot harder than it used to be. Like pre-cell phone, man, you could walk up to a girl and just be like, I like your fucking Tom Petty shirt or I like whatever. And and then you have this conversation. I couldn't now, even do it then. Yeah, well, well <laughs> see, I was, I'm kind of a social butterfly. Like people have accused me of that. I can walk up to fucking anybody and start talking. That's me. But um I just feel that it's harder now because like, even now, like I, it's harder because people are just staring at their fucking phones. And so I feel this is, this is one of my cheats, of course. Like, like when I want to meet someone, I'm all about fucking match.com and I should get a sponsorship for match for this because literally I was on there for like three fucking days. And within three days, I found somebody that like Nina Simone liked, um, you know, fucking, like almost like the same shit that dude, like what person, what person around my age likes Nina Simone, you know, and not just sinner man, like, like all these common interests that I had, I instantly was able to, to, to find. And then I had a segue in. So with this match, I could just do a little wink. And if they didn't fucking wink back, I'm like, all right, fuck you. If you don't like Nina Simone. And then it happened to be Melissa winked. And then that's, that was it from then. We were obsessed with each other, and I got rid of Match within fucking hours. But Match costs like 70 but, bucks to do that, so you kind of have people that weed out 
you know, like the plenty of fish, dude, anyone can go on there and try to fucking scam you. Match, people are paying because they want to find love and similar interest. And I feel that the world has kind of turned more introverted and in a whole. And I feel the more that we stare at our phones, that's the way we're going to connect. So that's it's my love advice. It's, Match it's kind of funny. You, it, <laughs> it's kind of funny you mentioned that. I, I'm on like Bumble and all that. And I was like, I think these are all fake. And no one ever hits me up. Either that or I am ugly as sin. I don't know. That's not but tonight, uh, <laughs> thank you. But tonight uh, I was on, you know, I was on Hinge and I liked this girl, you know, that was like, oh, you have to send her a rose, like the standout. But on her profile, she was like, you have to be interested in at least two of these, blah, blah. And it was like, Nick Cave, and Streisand Dinoy Barton, you know, uh, uh, Queens of the Stone Age, this and this, and where to bury strangers. And I was like, I'm going to send this girl Rose. And I said, I have a Nick Cave poster in my living room. Hosta Luge is my favorite Dinoy Barton. And I have a septic tank in case I have to get rid of strangers. Wink, you know? Yeah. She, she hit me up tonight. was just like, oh, my God. So, well tell me stuff that's not on my list that you like. Like I might've like Googled it and yeah. I was like, well, I love Joy Division, Sisters of Mercy, blah, blah. And immediately she just started talking to me and I was like, whoa, okay. And I'm just like, you know, I'm like, I don't know what to say or how, how many times to message somebody is enough. If they message you, should you wait or should you message them right back? Like, I don't know what to do in these <laughs> situations. Like, you oh know, my Justin, God. This you know? is what I'm going to say, because I've been there a million fucking times, like for real, just be you. And because like when you're, you're being someone that you're not, it's not going to come across genuine. And I remember those games where people are like, you can't wait three fucking days, three fucking days. Well, yeah, I, w I waited that three days and then that chick fucking hooked up with somebody else. Fuck no. If you love that person or and, like you really feel it and you want to talk about fucking Joy Division right then, then you fucking do that. And like, yeah, me, or don't, don't, don't bring up comic books or Star Wars. Well, then why would I want to date this person? Those are things I like. Thousand like, percent. It's you know? totally true. You, you know? want those similar interests. And, and kind yeah. of the closer to your age, I read the study recently, the closer to your age category you have, like within like a, a three to five year range difference, the, the longer you have that, that chance of kind of being together. The ones that go like, you know, if you do a 20 year like lifespan, they say that's got like 3%, dude, 3% of 20 years. But if you got like within three, four years, there's like a 93% chance that things should work. And, and the thing that we don't realize is there's a whole bunch of chicks out there that are just like, fuck man, I can't connect either. I can't connect either. And that's what's driving me crazy that we all have these phones, but we're really not fucking connecting. So yeah. I'm stoked that you met this chick. And, and like I said, it, dude, you're a person. Oh, no, it can awesome be person. nothing. So, <laughs> she's, in the, she's, she's lucky. And I, I hope we can look back at this in like 10 years and you guys had this long relationship. And like, remember when this was the first <laughs> night we fucking talked about this and we were like little bitches and fucking, yeah, now you guys and fucking blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh, my God. That, that, is, that, that is such like, a, like a, a, an NBC How I Met Your Mother show. Like, you know, like, yeah. and then we got... Yeah, we got married. That's what that's all happened, you know. Like, <laughs> no, it's true. Who it's knows? Totally I mean, true. you never know. Knock on wood, you know. She might be someone cool, and who knows? I mean, it just might have just made a friend, you know. Exactly. So. We will see. Keep me up. Keep me informed with that. I feel that we're getting close to the end because we started about twelve fifteen. So I'm gonna have to because uh, we we had the first fifteen minutes that was fucking perfect, and and I lost that. So I'm bummed, but I think we pretty much covered everything. Is there anything you'd like to say 
uh, on this outro or anything, any tips of life that you'd like to give or anything that is on um, your mind that you haven't really fucking said that, you know? Um, well, uh, let me just plug the band Fox and the Red Hairs. We have a new music video coming out called uh, uh, Last Ride about a biker procession taking uh, the heart of their matriarch uh, back to Mexico where she was born. Um, so, that, so that's coming out. Uh, we actually did it right before COVID. My hair was literally this short and now it's this long. That's how long it took to finally finish it. Your hair looks great. So, uh, I love it. It looks fucking great. So what is yours? Um, uh, I guess, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't, if anybody wants like creative advice, I mean, just keep doing what you're doing. Don't, don't let anybody, t you know, try to say like, well, maybe you should try looking for a real career or something. Don't ever give up on your dreams. Keep writing, keep doing music and art. If, if something looks stupid to you, it, it might be a work of genius to somebody else. You know, I mean, write, just keep writing, keep just drawing, keep doing everything, whatever makes you passionate, whatever keeps, you know, the, the anxiety in your head or the depression out of your head or the anger or, or whatever you're feeling, just, just use those things, use those therapeutic things. And, and don't be afraid to reach out to people. You know, like I had a hard time with that for a long, I still kind of do, you know, but I've been getting better at like telling people like, Hey, I, I need help, you know, and people, you think, you know, you, you're a burden on your friends, but you know, like if they're real friends, that's not a burden. They're, they're going to help you. Exactly. So I don't know, just, just keep, just keep being you. And that's the best thing you can be. You know, I sound like an after school special, but you know, yeah, it's, I mean, just be you and eventually you're going to find who you really are. I mean, what they say, what every like 10 years, you're a different person. And that's not entirely false. I mean, I'm not the same person I was five years ago, you yeah. know, like we evolved and we move and you know, there's room for growth. And sometimes I don't know. Again, I'm rambling, but sometimes, no. I mean, you might have hated somebody back in the day and they might be the coolest person now because they've yeah. grown, they've evolved and they've changed. So, you know, there are these things called Erickson stages. They, they, they you know, they're this philosophy stuff where like we have stages of life I don't enjoy it. and you're doing it correctly. If, if you didn't, if you felt the way that you felt 10 years ago, you're not completing the process of life correctly. You know, okay. and I'm not saying that that's correct, but I definitely don't feel like I did when I was 31 and, and definitely don't feel like I was when I was 21 or 11. I feel different every fucking day sometimes, you know, and that oh, yeah. makes it fun. So yeah, dude, and your, your priorities, your, your priorities change. You go yeah. from like, I want to party and sleep around and have a billion friends and blah, blah. And then you know, you start growing up a bit and you're just like, some of that stuff isn't, isn't worth my time. You know, yeah. sometimes, I mean, I was, oh, I was always afraid of being alone, you know, and not like alone, like I'm never going to find love thing, well, you know, a little when you're young, but you know, being alone with myself, you know, and my thoughts and everything. And, you know, eventually, you know, like I went to therapy, you know, uh, I found out I was diagnosed with anxiety and, and everything started to connect. It was like, oh my God, like this is, this has been my main problem through my life. And I never knew I had anxiety. I just thought this is how everybody feels and how everyone thinks. And when I got diagnosed, I immediately was like, put me on meds. Just, I don't care. Let's, let's do this. I want to, I want to get on a new path. I want to fix myself. I want yeah. to, you know, and my, my psychiatrist was actually like, really, you're that much into it. I'm like, doc, <laughs> I haven't slept most of my life. If this is going to put me to sleep and make my brain go from to 
I'm good, and I've yeah. been great since. You know, so dude, I, that was I mean, my don't afraid to be last show. You should have been on my last fucking show. I should have just had you the whole time, bro. Like for real, we should have <laughs> a two-hour fucking special. Just co-host. But yeah, Rondi and Rondi's great to talk to. So no, I love you, dude. For real, I'm gonna, I'm gonna love you too, James. Dude, that was awesome. That was the best part of my night. It really was, Justin. Fucking, we're gonna Thank tour. You, we're gonna tour in 2022. That's no joke. Hurting the heartbeat. Fucking, Sounds fantastic. Fox and the Red Hairs. Fucking on. Check out his books. Check out his comic. What's the name of the comic? Uh, Alvia, uh, Noble War, and then of course the Garment Thief, and just checking in. Fuck yes. And they'll be hopefully out on Amazon sometime, or not hopefully Amazon. So I'll publish somewhere else. <laughs> you know? But you gotta sometimes do what you gotta do. But Believe me, I love everybody it. Wants to I'm going to be doing the same thing, bro. I'm going to be publishing my shit on Amazon, too, because I'm like, just self-publish, man. That's like the punk rock way to do it. Who cares? We don't need this other shit. You got something to say, fucking say it. All right, I'm going to end it. I love you, my brother. I love you. Love you, too, James. Always a pleasure. Thank you, bro. See you next season. Straight up. <laughs> Bye, everybody.